Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Funky Marketing Show. Uh, it's actually our second season with, with guests. And today I have a pleasure to welcome uh, Nicole to the Funky Marketing Show. Nicole, welcome. Hi, thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here as well. Like basically, Nicole and I have been going like back and forth uh, on LinkedIn in the comment sections uh, on my on post, <laughs> on her post, and you know, talking about different things. So I decided to call her uh, on the show to dive deeper into some of the some of the topics. So maybe we can we can start with uh, you know with what you do uh at the moment i think that's that's a good start so you work as a director of opera of marketing at mongoose mongoose am i yeah. saying it right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um i'm director of marketing at mongoose um they're a higher ed software company we actually have two um softwares that we sell one is a texting platform and the other is a chatbot so we're just looking to help higher ed um colleges and universities better communicate with students, especially, you know, with COVID and higher ed moving much more remote and digital. Um, we're trying to create products that help make their um, communication a lot more seamless. So I've been at Mongoose for only four months. I'm relatively new. Um, before that, I was working at a global manufacturing company. So it's very, it's been an adjustment going from like a giant corporation to back to like startup um, company, which I've been just loving so much. So what's more interesting? I guess startup, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, startups. I mean, most of my background's been in startups. Um, I just love the atmosphere and everything's like changing and evolving so quickly. And usually you can come up with an idea and just run with it rather than, you know, in a big corporation, there's lots of silos and red tape and getting through all the big bosses to kind of get your idea off the ground. So it's much more exciting to kind of be in a startup. So what's kind of the, the structure uh, where you are at, at the development? So you're the director of marketing. Mm -hmm. How big is the marketing team? Do you have the sales team? You know, how does the structure look like? Yeah. Um, so there's about five people um, on my team in marketing. So we're pretty small, but uh, right now at Mongoose, they've, they're about, I would say they started in 2011, but they're in this period where they've kind of hit um, a certain level and they, they're not sure how to kind of get to the next one and grow. And that's why I kind of came in to help them grow and scale um, without having to hire, you know, like 10 more SDRs to the team. So they've been very sales focused before, and now I'm trying to help grow them into more of a you know, demand gen, organic um, marketing strategy to kind of so that we can keep the employees small, like the team smaller, but still ex experience that revenue growth. So when I came in, um, the marketing team was definitely more of like an assistant to sales. Uh, they were more treated like an agency almost where they were just there. Um, There's copywriter, graphic designer, and the sales team would just say, I need a one pager about this, go create it. And they'd create it and give it back. And there wasn't really any sort of rhyme or reason to the things they were doing other than, you know, this is, oh, HubSpot says that we should be doing blogs and pillar pages, and we're just going to do it because that's what we need to do, um, which is, you know, fine. But I came in and just uh, like, look, I think we need to make marketing more of the growth engine. So I helped 
structure, restructure the marketing team. So it's not so just like doers, they're all like on the same level. I'm starting to kind of identify people who can help um, with the strategy with me and give sort of departments to my team that hopefully we can grow. So now instead of having, you know, like copy and design and the blogger, um, instead I have like a brand and communications team, I have a demand generation team, and then a product marketing team. And while that, that team is still like one or two people, um, I think just having those sections kind of have helped get people to see marketing in a different lens and also help my team um, feel empowered a little bit to be more strategic and take more initiative um, with the ideas that are generated at the business. Yeah, I, I mean, what I'm hearing is, uh, you know, one of the most common mistakes that I'm seeing in the, you know, in the new companies when they, you know, uh, start, let's say the growth as they see it with hiring salespeople. But, you know, sales usually is here to, uh, you know, to extend the growth or to accelerate it, but marketing should actually spark the growth. Right. But usually that's how it is. Now you, you are in the situation when you need to, you know, turn around things and make them a little bit more different because, you know, people are used to, you know, we go with sales and, you know, I guess the, the model was, you know, get as many leads as possible. So the sales yep. people can actually call them, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I came in, I was obviously start looking at the data and what everything is doing and any lead that was coming in was automatically being considered an MQL. And I was like, oh my God, no, we need to fix this immediately. Like that's not the case. And then obviously sales was very upset because anything that was coming from the website or marketing, you know, was usually seen as a waste of time because, you know, they weren't ready to buy yet um, because we were considering you know, an ebook download as uh, MQL, which isn't necessarily the case. So just going in there and I think also helping change the perspective internally as well about how marketing can be used. Um, I'm still kind of um, struggling with that a little bit. You know, it's an ongoing discussion because when you first come in, everyone's excited, you're like a new voice and they're like, yeah, let's go. And I'm about four months in and they're like, well, where's, where's all this money coming from marketing? I'm like, well, you got to give it time a little bit, you know, like we're making changes, we're seeing good results, but by the time it hits revenue, you know, it could be like six to eight months down the road. So, you know, we're going to get there, but it's still like a process of kind of keeping everybody on board, keeping everybody excited, even though they're not seeing it like financially just yet. Yeah. So I guess internal communications and internal marketing has become something that's a high priority, you know, to be able to yeah. make those kind of changes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I learned that um, the hard way at the um, large corporation at my previous job. Um, I had a really excellent boss who helped teach me about how important internal marketing is to help get your ideas forward. I was one of those stubborn marketers that just came in and like, well, this is the way that you should do it. Like, why don't you believe me? And he helped, you know, teach me like, oh, you need to convince everybody and get them all on the same boat with you. Um, so now I'm a big believer, obviously, in the power of internal marketing to get your ideas forward and being able to speak to the leadership team and your team and get them all kind of on board with what you're doing and get them excited, as well as talking to different departments. I mean, Obviously, getting the sales team on your side is crucial. Um, 
if sales thinks that you're the bad guy, they're never going to cooperate with you. But if they think that what you're doing is going to help them, then they're going to like help you as much as possible if you're going to make their lives easier. Yeah, I totally get it. Like when it was my first time as as GM, uh, like I was the last one coming to the company and the first one ever, first ever GM in the company, it was like 15 people, three teams. Uh, But, you know, I wanted everybody to do the same what I have done to become the GM, right? Yeah. So, so to to learn more, to work more, to work, you know, I didn't make them work extra hours, but you know, I was sharing, keeping sharing like the content, education, all those other stuff. But then I realized, okay, I got the feedback, of course, the pushback, <laughs> and I and I realized, okay, like somebody can just you know come to work for eight hours, do uh, a good or decent job, and go home. But then it's the other decision. Like, do you want those kind of people in the team? Right. It's all learnings at every step of the way. Exactly. I still, um, that's something I'm still learning how to do as a leader is like, how do you figure out people's different working styles? And that doesn't have to be your way. I mean, you're probably the same as me. It sounds like where you're like a high performer, you're ready to go. You thrive off of, you know, like achieving a lot and work. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. And you also necessarily don't want all those kind of people on your team because you don't want people who are always just kind of vying for your job. You want other people who can help, you know, keep the boat going and keep, and who are just happy to like, I'm going to do my eight hours and I'm going to do my best in those eight hours. And that's all I can offer. Um, and I think that's something that most leaders marketing or otherwise have to learn how to balance for sure. Cause then, like you said, that maybe there's some people who aren't necessarily the right fit for whatever company culture there is. If there is kind of that, you know, grind culture where you have to come in and do the work longer than eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, like working in a, in a new company or a startup, like basically you have to be, uh, you have to have that mindset that your role is going to change and maybe it's going to change really fast things that you're doing in a level on which you're doing it also means that you need to learn a lot to be able to perform on all those uh you know different positions that you're going to get yeah exactly i'm you know i'm sure you feel the same when you're looking at um new hires but sometimes like i'll come in and someone will say you're at a startup and someone will say well that's out of my job scope and you're like well your job scope changes depending on what's needed because there's three of us on this team um so you don't really want someone with that kind of mentality you want someone who's like yes let's go I'm gonna do whatever is needed um but then they'll probably see a higher career trajectory because of that yeah totally agree I mean I'm not the best at hiring I'm still learning (laughs) uh like the first hire ever that I got is the first person that I fired uh, just to kind of bring the perspective good learning perspective yep <laughs> yeah but uh you know even then like the the owners of of the of the company told me like we won't get into the process like it's you who are deciding it's uh you know we can give you an advice of what you need to do to fire somebody what you need to do to hire somebody but you know it's up to you so i learned a lot of things i had a lot of freedom when i was on my first you know uh decision-making position uh and luckily for that like i am where i am now but you know the company was 
slow down a little bit because of that. Uh, but uh, you know, like when I when I look at things, I still you know make mistakes. Uh, one thing that I that I learned is that I need people with the right mindset because you know we depend a lot on what we are doing on LinkedIn or it's something that we learn how to do on other platforms as well. We learn how to do it for the clients. But I need people who already have that mindset that they need to share. They need to, you know, be constantly learning those kind of things. But then, you know, it's not the only thing. So yeah, it's definitely easier to kind of, especially when you're just starting to grow the company and you're have um, you need that growth. You know, um, being able to talk to people and be like, "This is what I'm trying to do," and they're like, "Yes, let's go." And you don't have to like. I guess, stay on them as much to get them to get going because, you know, you probably have 8,000 things to do, especially as a founder, you know, um, and you just want to be able to tell someone like, this is the direction I'm going and they can just take it and run with it. Um, having people like that on your team is just so helpful and allows you to free up your time to be more strategic, be able to understand what's going on, see trends, see where there's holes or opportunities that we could be uh, filling yeah exactly definitely useful so uh tell me tell me tell me uh so you needed to align uh sales and marketing around one thing and you did that with you know with sales goals right the both teams uh mm -hmm. and it's kind of kind of interesting perspective we are hearing a lot of different stuff and we are doing for for our clients a lot of different kind of alignments like there's mm -hmm. a there's an example like Kyle Lacey, what he did in Lessonly, it's, you know, uh, everything is under the, the CMO or under the marketing, all the teams, but they are focused like, uh, let's get to the, to the revenue first, then we have 20% of the budget to kind of experiment and do a lot of different stuff. So they do a lot of B2C stuff. Over there, uh, there's a situation when uh, the alignment is under the, you know, chief revenue officer, but in your case, it's, uh, you know, alignment is on the sales goals, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not the only thing. I think just because um, when I came in, you know, it was so separated and we have quarterly goals that we set for each department as well as the company. And the marketing goals were so just kind of tasks. They were like, oh, write three blogs, you know, um, produce a video. And I'm like, no, I want to result-oriented, right? Right, exactly. Um, so I've been switching that where I'm like, okay, no, it's going to be increased LinkedIn engagement by 20% this quarter. Like that's a metric that I want to see increase. Um, but then just because I am still teaching my team that revenue is a part of marketing's um, goals as well, I did, uh, sales came in and they were saying that they have, like, they want to hit a certain number of new demo requests coming in. And so I asked them, I was like, do you mind if marketing shares that goal with you? So then it's not just like, you know, sales generated demo requests. It's just in general, like, let's share this number together. Um, because I do want my team to start putting their, seeing how their efforts are tying to the actual revenue in the business. So I do believe that because your, your post that you posted, I believe it was yesterday, about it should be aligned and not the same. I agree with it. I mean, you've run into trouble when marketing is only responsible just for the revenue, because then you do only do short-term performance marketing type metrics, but it is definitely a balance. And as we both know with LinkedIn and brand building, like 
there's a huge, huge benefit to doing that long-term strategy as well that might not necessarily be able to directly attribute um, to revenue. So it is a little bit of a balance right now for my team to kind of shift their mindset to this new growth and to also get sales on my side that we're in this together. I wanted to just share exact same goals um, with the sales team. But then at the same time, my team also has other goals that are a little bit more brand building focused. Yeah, I, I guess you needed to do that because, you know, like uh, at least that's how I see it. When you, when you start building, you know, the alignment and everything, you go with the thing that can get you the core revenue first. So yeah. in, in your case, I guess, you know, you already have the sales team that's been working for a while and they know what they're doing. Marketing is still in the building, uh, <laughs> right? So, yep. so it, it was easier to, you know, kind of share the perspective. Like these guys, this is what they're getting. You know, you can help them get there and then, you know, you will slowly create your part of, part of the pipeline and contribute to those goals as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a good way for the rest of the company to see marketing as a different type of way rather than an assistant, because I still do run into that a little bit where marketing's a little bit on the afterthought. They're kind of just make it pretty, you know. Um, so I think by tying in some goals that other um, bigger departments um, just helps people see marketing in a different way. But then it also helps me prove my worth and prove like these new changes that I'm making are the right changes. So then when maybe in a year I have something that's a little bit more outlandish, that's not something that I can attribute directly to revenue, they'll trust me and be like, yeah, let's, let's go with that because clearly what you're doing is working. That's the, that's the hope, at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's the good bet. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, why I'm saying bet, just for the people, because in startups, everything is, uh, you know, is a bet. You're basically throwing things out, seeing what's working. But as you already have some background experience, or you have a person in the team that's have the background experience, then you know what are some things that, that could work. So you know what to throw out there. And, yeah, exactly. and that's the best as it gets. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, startups, there's everything is always changing. And then the direction changes or, you know, new hires or new teams or what have you, you know, that's the, the fun of a startup. So hopefully my bet works. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure it will. So tell me, what are some of the things that you that you've done as you as you started to work? you know, uh, in the company. It might be interesting because you were just four months over there, you know, kind of the steps, how, how it went. And I guess, you know, uh, also the target group is interesting. I don't yes. think we, we, talk, uh, we talk very often about uh, companies that are targeting that target group. Yeah, um, I mean, when I first came in, again, I looked at the data, what we're doing, what's working, and I broke down the funnel um, and broke it down to see like what marketing sources were attributing new deals. And so obviously you come in and you saw like, you know, organic, direct, referral were top ones. But then I also noticed that um, there were quite a high number of conversions from people who attended our webinars. So I was like, oh, I think that's kind of a a low hanging fruit that I think we can do better. That's gonna just quickly bring in um, some new MQLs, SQLs and fill our pipeline. So I, my first thing that I did was revamp how we approach our webinars, just because I'm like, this is one thing that I can do now that's gonna have quick effects that people can see. 
And then we can keep going while I kind of fix those harder things to fix that aren't going to be so immediate. So how we were approaching uh, webinars before was it was pretty much a sales call over Zoom. Um, we had our sales team come on, I mean, which were, they were great. They're very knowledgeable, but it was very product focused, featured focused, like, here's what we can do for you kind of thing. And so I came in, I'm like, let's just shift the perspective of this a little bit and make it much more customer focused than product focused. Like, what do our customers care about? What are they asking our customer success team all the time? What are those objections that we're always hearing from prospects? And let's create some content around that. So one of the most frequent questions we get at um, Mongoose is about texting policies. Like, is it okay to text a student? Like, do they have to opt in? You know, texting's a very weird kind of plat like um, messaging system that people aren't as familiar with, especially when it comes to students and high school students. Um, you know, you're kind of like, what's okay, what's not? So we have some very, very knowledgeable subject matter experts on our team, which I'm super thankful for. I'm just utilizing them like crazy. Um, so I was like, hey, do you guys want to jump on a webinar and we'll have someone like facilitate it, but you pretty much just kind of talk about these frequent questions. So they're like, yeah, we're gonna do this. Um, I had my demand gen team who's fantastic kind of come in and do a great promotion on LinkedIn. We use some of our um, employees to post on their own LinkedIn, you know, get that subject matter experts out there. And we ended up like out, we only had a thousand seats on our Zoom at the time and we booked it in probably like two days. And so we had to open up another uh, webinar for the next week and we still like booked that as well. So it was just insanely um, successful. I was even surprised it was that successful in the first try. Uh, so now it's just about, you know, now my my CEO is like, okay, well, where's where's the deals? Where's the revenue coming through? And I'm like, well, you know, this, this got us probably like a 300% increase in new leads, but like I said, not all leads are in MQL. So now we're working on how do we start um, scoring them? What do we consider an MQL versus an SQL versus a lead? So that's kind of like the next step that we're doing with that. But that was the first thing I did when um, I came in was just the webinar. And then also restructuring the team. I think the first couple months at this job was me figuring out their strengths, figuring out their weaknesses, and figuring out where I can put them where they'll be the most successful. So it's, it's a little bit of the less um, fun side of marketing leadership, but it's, it's helped me tremendously. I've already seen a shift in like the amount of output, their efforts and um, their willingness to kind of do new things. Yeah, sounds, sounds good. That's, that's actually the way I'm thinking right now, like crafting an offer for a, for a potential client. Cause like the CEO is used to having MQLs. So I'm like, Okay, in the first month, until we educate the CEO and others around him, because uh, like the employees know what are the, the you know, that they should go after uh, SQLs and, you know, those kind of things, but the CEO needs to be educated. Yeah. So probably in the first month, we need to focus on just getting more MQLs so we have the results. And then we can, you know, talk about how we can make that transition you know, from, from those, but uh, I was, I had a conversation a few days ago uh, on this podcast with Andrei Zinkovic, and he was sharing 
uh, actually what he was doing with uh, with the MQLs from the webinars. He did the same thing as you did, you know, uh, covering you know the pain points or the biggest objections and those kind of things. And then, like, he created kind of a hub uh, with all the materials, presentations, possibly some uh, you know some other files. Mm -hmm. and then they they are following who is consuming the content, and then those who are consuming the content they go to sales. So basically, it's additional step that qualifies the even even more. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great idea. I've in the past um, done a little similar where I've um, done like a webinar series. This was at my previous job, and it was very popular. And it's, and at the end, we sent them to a private Facebook group, and we mm -hmm. created like a a little mini community for this specific sector, and that in that group you're we like oh we'll provide you with exclusive content and you can talk directly with the trainer um and that was really really successful and then we just had this little mini community um of our target audience i mean it was very niche like it was maybe like 1500 people but it was like exactly the people who we wanted to sell our products to and we had all the communication directly to them without having to worry about you know competitors them e deleting our emails um so I love that idea of a, a hub, though, also. I think that's a really smart way to keep them engaged after the webinar. Yeah, yeah, because it's a group when, when you are with them daily. Yeah, exactly. And there, you always do need to have um, some sort of action after a webinar. I think that's something that a lot of people miss. Like, you have all these captive audiences with you, and right before you do a Q&A, when most people kind of start dropping off, you need to do something where you can get them to your website, get them to view your product page, whatever it is, like, it's a crucial step that I think a lot of people tend to miss um, with webinars. You do all this effort to get all these people here and then you don't get them to do an action. Yeah, yeah, topics topics that I love are webinars because like my ex-CEO uh, is the person who has done, I think the more, more than 2000 webinars uh, <laughs> and yeah, because, uh, We've been doing like online conference. I think the first one in this ex Yugoslavia space, but so we have even 10 webinars by the conference. So like a warm up. Wow. Uh, and then we lower them to five, but <laughs> from the start, it was, it was 10. It was two months of webinars. Wow. And it yeah. got us a lot of like free content. And also when I started funky marketing, it was uh, beginning of the lockdown during pandemia. And like, uh, I just, or throughout five free webinars and I got 500 subscribers. And that's how I started with funky marketing, basically with, yeah. with gathering the audience. I know, I know a lot of people are like, we're all webinar out, we're all zoomed out after the pandemic. But I mean, I, I was doing webinars for marketing prior to the pandemic, which has helped me be able to carry those skills when everybody wants to do webinars. But I mean, I'm still seeing success in them. I mean, they can be, a little bit of a, a beast to get off the ground um, a bit, but I mean, if you have the right content and you're targeting the right people, like you, you're going to see success. I think that webinars are still highly successful. Yeah, I agree. So did it help you, you know, convince CEO about the importance of marketing or you needed to do some, some other stuff as well? Yeah, no, he, I mean, everybody loved it. Our sales team loved it um, because we still, I still make sure to figure out ways, even though, you know, all the registrants aren't going to be 
SQLs, MQLs, but I figured out a way to get hot leads, like people who are extra interested in what we're talking about. Um, usually at the end of a webinar, I'll have like a, a free asset or um, like some demo offer where I'm like, are you interested in seeing this? Yes or no. And anybody who clicks yes, I send directly to our SDRs and say, these are the hot people, like follow up on them. And they were so thankful for all of the leads we gave them. They're just like, oh my gosh, my pipeline's so full. This is fantastic. Like everyone I talk to is like loving our stuff. Um, so the sales team is like, they're on board. They're ready to go. They're asking, can we do more webinars? Of course. Um, my CEO, he also, he liked it. He was shocked by it, but of course he's, you know, entrepreneurial CEO. So he's like, okay, well, what's next? Like, what are we, why aren't we, where's the revenue? Where's the SQLs? Like, how do I track this? Like, he's already like three steps ahead. And I'm like, he, it's, a, there's like a little bit of praise and celebration, but it's always like, okay, like carry on to the next step. How are we going to like expand this further? So, but that's typical, I think with most kind of entrepreneurial um, founders. Yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta know what they are looking at, which metrics yeah. are the most important for them. Yeah, exactly. He's been great though because he is um, a little new, you know, to this demand gen type um, of marketing strategy that I'm pushing. And but instead of how most CEOs would be like, no, this I know more about marketing than you do. You need to follow how it's always been done. He's been very open to learning more about it so while he's asking questions he's more it's just because he's curious and he wants to learn more and he actually after the webinar asked if we could just sit down and have lunch and I could just educate him on demand gen trends and what people are doing and why suddenly I'm posting all over on LinkedIn um, so he, it's more out of curiosity and him wanting to be knowledgeable so he feels like he can speak to me directly about it and I want him to understand more too because I I'm not from this higher ed industry. I kind of just have bopped around and he is from this higher ed industry. So it'd be great to have his knowledge of the industry to work within the marketing strategy so we can do it better. Yeah, agreed. That, that's, a, that's a good fit. I mean, having the, the CEO that is willing to learn and understand, it's, uh, yeah. it's a great asset to have next to you. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled like I've worked for CEOs who think that they're God's gift to marketing and I've worked and I've worked with CEOs similar to my current CEO and it's definitely so much more useful when you have a CEO who trusts you and is willing to learn but also oh, like you have to be okay with them poking holes in your strategy as well and being okay to have kind of some critical feedback so it it's been great so far yeah Sounds good. Sounds good. And uh, when we think about like from you then down below to the sales, to the marketing team, like uh, how did they accept you as a, as a leader? So uh, I guess, I mean, looking at my perspective or other companies that I'm working with, uh, you know, because we are in most cases, we are working with directors of marketing or CMOs. So the challenge is more or less, uh, you know, the same on one side, they have the CEO, which demands, you know, results on the other side, you know, that you need to build a brand long-term and then you have the team where you need to, you know, to uh, prove kind of that you are the leader that they should follow. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely um, a hard one. And I mean, I think, 
how I approached it at first was I kind of, I tried to look at what are the pain points that they're experiencing every day. And what I saw was they were constantly on like what I call like a hamster wheel where they were always busy. They could never catch up. The deadlines were always looming and they were always like writing what needed to be done for the next day that day. And it was always feeling like urgent. Anything that kind of got thrown in was just like chaos. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's see how we can get you guys off this hamster wheel. Um, so that you have that space to be creative, to look for new ideas, to kind of look into data because no one was looking into data. No one was looking into trends. They were just getting it out because I had to get out. Um, so I looked at the processes that we, we had in the background. I found some ways to improve them. I'm a pretty, I'm pretty good at being able to see like a process from beginning to end and figuring out where there's inefficiencies. Um, so I, I looked at those and was like, okay, let's tweak this a little bit. And then also talking to the team individually and getting to know them a little bit and then figuring out how I can position them in spots where they're going to feel the most confident also helped. Um, so for example, we had two people who have, who had a very vague, um, title of just like content product production specialist. Like they, they were, they're tweaked a little bit, but they both were kind of like, I don't really know what the difference between our two titles are really, because I think whoever created the titles didn't really get marketing very well. Um, so I was like, okay, well, let's talk through like what parts of your jobs do you like? What parts don't you like? And I found out that the one just really loves producing content, writing, video, really is a production um, specialist. Where the other one more likes the social media, the PR, the like planning side of things. And so I've helped separate their jobs and their responsibilities so that they don't feel like they're competing with each other and that they're more teammates with each other. And I think that helped them feel, everyone feel a little more secure um, in their roles and in their jobs. And then it also helps them understand where their future can be um, moving forward. So now I'm trying to show them, here's what we have now, here's what I want to build, here's where you can be, but you have to kind of prove yourself to, to get up to that um, new spot that I want to develop. Sounds good. So you basically needed to get to know them, get to know mm -hmm. the process and then see where they fit in the process yep. and kind of like create the next steps when, through which they can go to, to, you know, get to their goals, which will also be the company's goal. Yeah. And then, you know, um, getting them on board with my strategy has been, I mean, after I did the webinar, like at first they were like, oh, you know, another webinar. And then they were shocked by how many registrants kind of came on and all of a sudden they're like, oh, this is great. And so having some like mini successes um, has been really useful so that they, it kind of proves my worth and proves what I'm, that I'm, what I'm talking about works. Yeah. So sounds good. I remember when I was in that kind of situation, I did all the same as you did and they were trying to do the same things, but like couldn't get the results uh somehow you know like they they couldn't uh hit uh you know the engagement or the other things they were trying really hard so they say okay so why don't you do it and show us the way it can be done so i wrote an article and uh i think it got like fifty thousand people uh reading it and you know i think around 200 300 people liking reacting you know those kind of so they're like oh it actually works you know so so we, he knows what he's talking about 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, uh, but there was that challenge, and I think like all of us as leaders, at one moment in our careers, uh, at least one, we get into the position when we, you know, need to show that we know how to do the do the jobs, right? Yeah, that's kind of exactly. I mean, that's because um, obviously LinkedIn is huge, and I've been. I would say a LinkedIn tourist for a very long time where, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I haven't really posted. I'm hearing all the things about how great it can be to post on LinkedIn. And obviously I want my sales leaders to be on LinkedIn, my subject matter experts to be on there, you know, cultivating more awareness and being seen as experts in the higher ed industry. And so I was talking to my team about, you know, we need to be doing more on LinkedIn and they weren't quite grasping like what I was trying to get. So I just decided I'm going to, I'm going to just do it myself and I'm going to post on my own LinkedIn, how I want them to post and figure this out and just show. And I was expecting to be like, okay, look, my first post of the month, I got two likes and they were from my mom and my friend, you know, and then by the end of the month, you know, I'm starting to get like 10 or 20 likes and they're from these other people that are in this industry. And the amounts of success that I had in that month, like blew me out of the water. I wasn't even expecting that. I mean, the relationships I cultivated, I mean, me and you met through that, um, all these different communities that I've kind of gotten involved in. Um, it's just been crazy. And so now I'm known as the, the LinkedIn girl at my company. And um, so even if people aren't from my company commenting or liking on my posts, they're seeing it and they're talking about it. And then they're, I have a few people who are coming up to me now and they're like, how do I start talking about this and I'm like oh perfect just exactly what I was hoping that you'd come and ask me for so now I have a group of people who are eager to kind of start that strategy with me um so now we're putting that plan together on how how we're going to attack that yeah that's that's good I think people need you know uh first somebody who will lead them Mm -hmm. uh, and then they need a support system to kind of you know start with that because I think LinkedIn is just like the What's happening inside the company it shows on linkedin it's not like the other way around yeah exactly and i think most people are just afraid to post that they're going to look dumb or they're going to look like they don't know what they're talking about so that's the one issue i'm having with um my team who want to do want to contribute they're so worried about like putting their thoughts out there but until you do it and you just start like i'm going to just put it out in my flop it might be great like we'll just see um I think it becomes less scary so at first I'll probably have to hold their hand a little bit you know probably write some of the copy for them or like I I saw someone say they interview their subject matter experts and then come up with posts for them based on their interview so it's a little bit more in their voice and I think giving them some of those posts at first will help and then as they feel more confident hopefully they'll be able to just post um themselves yeah sounds good so let, let's get to to one of the one of your recent posts when it was interesting to me you said that you know you actually asked is uh inbound marketing strategy outdated or yes. it isn't so so uh like would you share with me like what were your thoughts at the moment and what what caused the post and you know how do you see the situation yeah i mean um i just thought a little controversial post might um, get some engagement, which it did. Um, I had some a little heated conversations in my comments, but it was all good um, commentary. I just think that, you know, we, we still kind of follow 
that inbound model that HubSpot put out probably like 10 years ago and which is all, it worked really, really well and it still does work well, but I just think that there's, it just needs to be updated for how people buy today. I mean, the old school kind of inbound model, it's funny that I call it old school now. Um, it's, it kind of is in the belief that you're like, oh, I need a texting software. I'm gonna go to Google and put in best texting softwares for higher ed which you know might be the case but most likely you're going to go to like a facebook group or go to clubhouse or go to linkedin group or wherever you kind of know there's higher ed people and put what texting platforms do you guys use and a lot of the buying behavior is, is changed so much but yet we still kind of create marketing strategies based off old buying behaviors so for me, I think organic isn't top of the funnel anymore. I think it's more middle of the funnel and you should be building your SEO strategy with the middle of the funnel in mind versus thinking you're going to get new people from these like long form question queries. Um, and instead looking at how do I put my content and my thoughts and my expertise out into the areas that people already are. So I guess I wouldn't say it's, I think it might be outdated actually, but I just think it's not irrelevant. It just needs updating. What about yeah. you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely this is, you know, this is the MQL model that HubSpot is, uh, has been talking about. Uh, but, uh, you know, especially when you are, uh, when we are in the, in the age when we are constantly creating new things. You know, new software, so custom solutions for this, for that, new products, and all a lot of those things are new. So, uh, if we ask people what do they think about it, they will say just based on the things that they know. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, and since your product is not existing yet, they, they cannot know that something like that exists. So they will give you an answer based on what they know. And if they don't get the, the solution for the problem that they are having, they will be pissed off. But you created the product because you know that solution isn't working, yeah. right? So, so you need to, do, to create the new demand. A new demand doesn't mean like going after the existing keywords. It means doing something different and you know, making people talk with each other, creating community, you know, listening to, you know, to frustrations, to you know what uh, you know the old school what makes them stay up at night you know those kind of things but yep. it's it's actually like that and making people talk with each other and then basically you know um, that's how you go and that's the start from creating the demand now are you gonna do it with this channel with this platform it all depends on the target groups and of all those other things, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's something that's, that's you know, I mean, I don't know who's actually, maybe there are people, but I doubt that there are many people Googling, you know, texting software for higher education. Right. Yeah, I mean, cause um, our other software, which is the chatbot, something that we keep coming up against is, you know, higher ed isn't the most, I guess, technically advanced. They're usually like following the trends. So, you know, um, they are just starting to come into like the possibilities of adding chatbots to their websites. 
but our chat bot is more than just like an FAQ bot or a live chat. It's kind of an AI chat bot that can kind of bring you through um, like a conversational flow, depending on who you are. You can retarget people based on who they are. So like you could treat parents different than students, different than high school prospects um, or alumni. And the issue that we keep coming up against is that our our customers don't really understand why they need all of these different things, or they don't really understand the benefits of them. And they just keep coming up and they're like, well, I just need something that's going to like answer their questions. And that's all I want. And this option is way cheaper than yours because so I'm going to go with this one. So there needs to be a level of um, education that's kind of above that top of funnel, you know, where they don't even know that there's a problem and you need to educate them that there's a better solution out there before they even start thinking about the chatbot because what we're think what we're just running into now is we need to educate them prior to them even coming to our sales team where they're just like I need all of this great stuff on your website on my website cuz it's going to help me hit my admissions goals it's going to make me be able to service my students in a better way than I can right now and it's going to ease my time you know cuz they're usually time strapped so we need to get them already convinced that this chatbot is like going to solve all these issues for them before they even come to sales. And there is that kind of like top, top of the funnel, like pre-funnel, like um, stage of things that I think most people are kind of missing when they're doing their inbound marketing uh, strategy. They just think, oh, they already know they're going to check for a chatbot and they're going to just come in and look for a chatbot. But in reality, we're giving them a completely different product that they don't even realize is going to solve all these issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I usually use uh, in, in this case, I use the example from, from B2C, like if you want to sell to someone a flower pot to put <laughs> on, on their balcony, basically you need to, to uh, first start with, you know, you will have a lovely balcony to drink coffee at. Then you need, <laughs> you need the table, you need the picture on the wall, you need the carpet. Uh, you need to paint it a little bit, you know, those kind of things. And then you come to the flower pot. So exactly. it's all, all the way over there. So they can imagine it. They can, you know, convince themselves that it is what they're in need of. And then they start the journey. But in your case, it's also, you know, the, the long sales cycles, uh, yes. as I can guess. So uh, a lot of people in uh, working in higher education are, you know, people who have like some um, way of thinking, which is maybe not that, you know, uh, techy or not uh, innovative in that way. And it needs a lot more content, uh, trust, and, you know, those kind of things. So they can even start thinking about it in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like your example, you had to show them what, it could be what the reality could be like because once people kind of get into the chatbot and they can see what it does then they want to do more and then they want to expand and um like everyone's very happy once they get there but convincing them to get there and that this is what's needed and it can just like help you so much with everything that you're looking to do is the hurdle that i get to try to get over with my marketing and our approach and our strategy um, so that's kind of where I was thinking with that post, kind of bring it back was I was just thinking, you know, my team in the past had been approaching this with the basic inbound model and they were creating, you know, pillar pages and doing blogs and case studies that were gated. 
and they just weren't really seeing, they were very struggling with getting this chat bot excitement and attention and the right people who are going to convert. And so it just made me think, you know, maybe I think maybe the inbound model is outdated and we need to start talking about how we need to upgrade um, the inbound model to kind of adapt to how people buy today, because especially with B2B, I think people tend to still think that like it's business to business, I know, but like it's still a person. Um, and so however you purchase software or look for things um, is exactly how your customers are. And we shouldn't be treating them differently than how you are. So the best way to think like, is my strategy the right one is think, would you go through those hoops to get to that software? Yeah, and, and basically think the way we are we are buying things. You know, before we go to Google, we will think, you know, who is the person? Do I know the person that can get me to what I want to buy? Right. right? And then, then you might go to Google, you know, to compare the prices or to see what else is out there. You know, is the person actually telling you the truth? You know, those kind of things. But that's only the second step. That's why, yeah. you know, we are all on LinkedIn, creating trust, creating these podcasts like videos uh, to, so people can get to know us. I always tell people, you know, like uh, you need... To sh I mean, you don't need to, but it would be good if you are the person who can create videos, for example, that you can, you know, show the accent, the way you smile, the way you talk, you know, th that you are confident in what you are uh, actually selling. Mm -hmm. That's that's a lot, especially, I don't know, in your case, but in our case, like when we start working with companies, we have at least three agencies already work with a company and they either didn't perform well or you know, after sometimes the quality of the service went down or they try to implement the same template for every company. And then you are not coming with, with zero, you're coming with minus. So yeah. you need to, you know, to uh, go from that minus to, to the level zero before the discovery call. Yeah, exactly. I mean, humanizing your brand is huge and especially B2B like, I think everybody tends to think like, oh, I have to be, you know, corporate and stock images and blend in. And it's a little bit the same in higher ed, I found. Like everyone thinks, you know, it's higher ed, you have to be very serious, you know, it's educational. But then I look at my competitors and everyone's posting the same stock image and talking the same way. And I'm like humanizing and bringing some personality to your brand just because you're B2B is actually a huge benefit in putting faces to your brand. So you don't feel like you're just talking to a logo. I mean, I'm finding new ways to use my employees to be on the faces of things like getting them to be associated with Mongoose um, because I just think it helps you stand out. It helps it seem a little less intimidating so that if there is someone who's interested in the chat bot, but just feels like, you know, they're not really that knowledgeable, they're not going to be afraid to come and talk to us about it they're going to be like, oh, you know, I've seen Nicole posting about this on LinkedIn and she seems friendly and approachable. So I'm going to like call up and see like, oh, can I talk about this chat bot? Because I have questions about it. You know, I think it just, I think there's that this, we're seeing this trend with people on LinkedIn and more B2B companies doing this approach where you are putting a human face to a B2B company and the, the companies that are doing that are really successful. Yeah, and um, and it's a great example because yeah, like uh, it shows that you don't need to do something extreme, like yeah. like Gong is doing or some other companies when they you know organize the huge 
uh, Zoom party and <laughs> talk about the lyrics on the on the on the LinkedIn page. You can just you know be be yourself, be human, because I think at the end that's the biggest differentiator. Yeah, definitely, and I think people appreciate it. Like, you don't have to put on a facade. Like, just be yourself. Show who you are. Show um, what you're all about, and most people will be receptive to that. Yeah, guys, I think now you need to go and you know follow all the Nicole and all Mangus team to sh- to see you know <laughs> how how they will rise on LinkedIn. In yes. Time. <laughs> Keep your eye out. Hopefully, it all you'll you'll we'll just be everywhere soon. <laughs> Yeah, Nicole, thank you for this. Uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about and that you want to tackle? No, I mean, this has been great. I really appreciate you inviting me to come speak on your podcast. I could just talk about marketing strategy all day long. So this has been a fantastic time and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, so tell, tell people where they actually can go and find you except except LinkedIn, right? Uh, well, actually it is just LinkedIn. I just post on there um, for my own personal benefit. I just enjoy kind of interacting with people. And um, so feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Nicole Gates, um, at Director of Marketing at Mongoose. I have a pretty generic name, so there might be more of me. Um, but yeah, I mean, just reach out, DM me and comment on my posts. I just love talking to people about marketing and strategy. It's all just me out there, um, building a community. Yeah. So, sounds good guys. Don't be shy. Uh, feel free to reach out to Nicole. She's willing to share her lessons and learnings and, uh, and knowledge as well. So, uh, Thank you all for being here for another episode of the Funky Marketing Pod Show. We actually rename it from the podcast to the show. Now I'm, I'm still new in, uh, you know, yeah, adjusting because, you know, there's one thing uh, I think we didn't talk about it with a guest, but, you know, uh, we are all jumping out of the TV when, yes. when the, the, the show is out. So uh, it's actually, that's why it's actually the show, uh, <laughs> the show, but, you know, Thank you, Nicole. Thank you guys for being here and see you uh, next week on another podcast. Thank you.